Turn up your brand fame with Australia's number one podcast network, Listener. From Hamish and Andy, Australia's number one comedy podcast, to the very latest daily news at 7am, Listener has highly engaged environments where you can tell potential customers all about your brand. Listener reaches over 6.6 million monthly users and is growing every month. To find out more about advertising on Listener, visit sca.com.au forward slash Listener. My guest is Kathy O'Connor, CEO of Out of Home Company, O-Media. Kathy made the switch to the outdoor sector in January 2021 after spending a career in radio, including 18 years with Lachlan Murdoch's Nova Entertainment. Since joining O, she's simplified the company's focus onto the out-of-home sector, including selling junkie media earlier this year. Last week, O unveiled its plans for 2023, which is why Kathy joins us today. Kathy, welcome along. It has been almost two years since you took charge at O now. What did you not know then that you know now? What a great question, and thank you for having me on, Tim. Uh, one thing I, that springs to mind is that the COVID pandemic was going to be two years, not one year, uh, because I think when I joined the business, we had come through 2020 and I felt that the clear air was was ahead. And of course, that has been the case, but obviously 2021 was not quite the, the launch year that I thought we'd have. And that's not a comment on O-Media. I think it's a comment on all media and all business. Um, The other thing I now know, I think you said to me when I first made the decision to join out of home, don't you think that'll be a bit boring um, compared to radio? Uh, I now know that it is certainly not boring and uh, it is not like radio. As a matter of fact, it is very different to radio and uh, it's all of the change I was looking for. And I think you know, my new understanding of the the property, logistics and infrastructure side of the business has really been the biggest eye-opener for me and it's a wonderful capability uh, right, right across the sector. It, you know, all out-of-home companies are in this space of building public infrastructure and it's a fascinating space and I think some of our announcements show that it's a space that I think we can leverage uh, some of the capability we have and so I couldn't have known that uh, coming in, but I certainly know it now. There's a lot we'll be able to unpick there, including some of the comparisons with radio and I think also, yeah, that public infrastructure question as the conversation goes. So let's get into the the out fronts, which was what you called your event last week. Now, I'm really interested in retail media and the, the, the growth that seems to be coming there. One of the things that you announced was Rio. Um, how are you seeing the development of retail media? That's a great question and it does get a lot of commentary and a lot of attention and it's not a new space for O-Media. So we uh, are a substantial operator in the retail media space and our assets exist outside of the supermarket, as you would know, and inside the retail centre. So we've built significant capability over the years in understanding the retail customer and understanding the role we play in that value chain and really where out-of-home media does create that wonderful path to purchase uh, 
offering, which is still very much part of why the retail channel for out of home has really been growing as a percentage of total over uh, out of home revenue over the last few years. And the pandemic probably emphasised that even more. So it's a wonderful channel and there's a lot of growth and new players have come into the retail media sector and that has grown the channel, which I think is always a good thing. Now, retailer media, which is inside the store, I think is a one plus one equals three proposition to me. We don't operate inside the store. Uh, we we complement what happens inside the store. And so I really feel that this is a growing uh, retailer media is a growing segment that we should be leaning into. And I think uh, the propositions are quite different. We're a mass reach proposition. We deliver to the in-store environment. And then the ways in which retailers are improving the sophistication and offering inside the supermarket is a real growth area, as we know. And if you talk to retailers, they'll tell you they believe that there is growth in that trade channel, what we would traditionally have called trade media. And I think the bigger question is, does that impinge on above the line budgets, which is not really an issue for out of home, it's an issue for all advertising agencies, all media and so forth. And, you know, where where the proposition of in-store and out-of-store does its job well, ultimately it should deliver growth and growth is good for growth in media budgets in all their forms, uh, be it below or above the line. And how will Rio take that on? So Rio is really an expansion of a core capability that we we already have, which is why it's such a great opportunity for own media. We are building retail and digital screen networks every day in all, all forms of environment, not just retail. And so it's quite intuitive to us to understand the design, the 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 build, uh, the optimization, the procurement, the, all the things that goes into setting these assets up. But then equally, how you use a digital network, how you can create content strategies, how you can map data to your panels to get you contextual uh, messaging depending on your geography or time of day. So all those things are what we do for, uh, for our partners, both commercial and advertising, every day. And really through the course of conversations with retail clients and other forms of corporate, um, we've realised that we really do understand this space and to the extent that an existing partner may want to broaden a conversation beyond advertising to assets and how they create their own uh, in-store omnichannel environments, then we're absolutely happy to discuss and look for the mutual opportunity in it. And we are genuinely getting uh, brands that feel that that is a great opportunity. Uh, and look, I think I think Qantas is a really good example of where we've done this for over a decade. That is a that is a a, a very professional business that understands the value of its assets, be they within the aircraft, be they within the terminals or, or, or the lounge environments, and the way in which we build the infrastructure and then work with Qantas to help them monetize those environments is a really powerful relationship and that's why we've just renewed it for another 
long-term agreement. Uh, so really think think of the way that Omedia works with Qantas as a template for the way we might work with other businesses that operate in the public space, either through their physical stores or their branches or or whatever it might be. Well, there are a couple more partnerships we can talk about as, as the conversation goes on. Um, first, though, and, and there are a lot of threads to Outfronts last week, um, creative effectiveness, um, that's going to be one of O's focus. I mean, I'm sure it was already. Um, one of the things he talked about there was polygraph. Um, how do you hope to drive creative effectiveness within the outdoor sector? That's a great question. So Poly, as you know, is uh, the creative and innovation hub that we've set up post the junkie publishing divestment. And Poly, uh, as its mission, is about inspiring uh, our advertisers and our agencies uh, to into the better, better and more effective use of creative and out of home. So with that broad mission, we've been looking at how we can do more than just um, give our opinions about what we think makes good creative. How do we actually use data to inform a view of what uh, what creativity is and how do we actually put the science behind what is effectively the art of the creative execution? And the same way that we do this with media planning through our, our transactional data, we said, well, why don't we start to look at what forms of creative actually create results at the cash register. If we started to map pre and post transactional sales results to creative executions, what might we learn? And Polygraph was born and it really is a pivot on the way we use transactional data to inform media placement now to the way we use it to inform creative strategy. And so some of the insights that we announced in the out front were just that when you use full motion video in the retail advertising environment, you get a 187% uptick in creativity and so forth. Uh, insights around uh, what makes street furniture creative ring at the cash register. It's fewer words, larger logos, no more than six words. So we're actually building uh, an intelligence around mapping sales and transactional results to creative executions. And so Polygraph, the more we do it, should be a richer database. And like all these things, it's just stimulus for better conversations with brands uh, and perhaps even uh, a form of A-B testing of creative in the digital environment and all those sorts of things that are now very much part of what you can do with digital out of home. Well, speaking of full motion, uh, one of the other partnerships you announced uh, last week was uh, with Tennis Australia. Um, how will that partnership look, firstly to the public, to the audience, and then how will you commercialise it? So the Tennis Australia partnership is an exciting uh, one that comes online, as we know, in January. And really when we went live with the AFL partnership and live scores, um, it didn't take long before we had other codes. It almost was instantaneous. The minute we started to, in real time, broadcast live scores to the panels, we had a number of codes say, how do I do that? And so I think this really does demonstrate the platform that digital out of home can provide. And our conversations with Tennis Australia were quick uh, and I think we understood the opportunity because we'd built the tech, we'd already 
proven it with the AFL final series. And so the conversations came together very, very quickly. It will look like a version of um, live footage, highlights footage in the right environments, probably headline um, scores in some of the larger roadside environments, and it will really connect our screens to their local environments in a way that is close to real time. So um, not good if you if you if you don't want a spoiler alert and you want to watch your, watch your, watch your, a uh, a game later, but effectively it puts real time immediate uh, sporting results up in lights, which Aussies love. Uh, it's very much part of what we do in summer, the Australian Open, and I think it's just a really nice way to create new connectivity to our assets and therefore to our advertisers as well. And in terms of commercialising, is it through direct sponsorship or is it about effectively attracting more attention to the to the billboard, to the display for existing advertisers? It's about both, Tim. So we've created uh, the interface that can take sponsorship messaging. Uh, we work with the Australian Open on who their core sponsors are and obviously in, depending on the code there may be a defined series of targets. Um, and this is this feels like there's a, a really nice open territory for some getting you know getting some new interest, and then we the art the art and the design of how we blend the sponsor message with the, with the Australian Open footage is for us to to work with. But it's a similar thing that we did uh, with the AFL final series where we had Treasury Wines and Bunnings as our launch sponsors in the out of home environment. Now, uh, another partnership um, a, a little bit earlier in the year, back in August, you signed a partnership with News Corp to use their content, their information on your digital platforms. Um, how do you think about that arrangement, that partnership? So like all good partnerships, one plus one should equal three. So we have always, uh, as part of our agreements with many of our place-based environments, provided uh, news content, particularly to office towers and uh, airport environments, and more broadly um, to other other forms of uh, out of home that, that we look after. So we've always done that. I think the opportunity for me coming into the business was to really think about the scale of what we have with nine different formats plus the in-flight videos of of Qantas aircraft as a platform. And in the event that we have uh, the need to put information through to some of those environments, what's the opportunity for an Australian news brand to look at it as a platform as well? And so those conversations were broad-ranging across the commercial and non-commercial media. And News Corp, uh, probably because of the breadth of their their environments, the fact that they are highly organised in the digital dissemination of their content, the fact that they have many sort of sub-brands, and I, I always say think about Delicious in cafes, for example, they were a f- terrific partner that was ready to engage in an adaptive, real-time exchange of content uh, to the scale of what we were imagining. And those conversations uh, were were broad-ranging, as I said, but news were certainly uh, the most suitable candidate and um, that went live this month. So if you look uh, in any of the environments that I operate in, you should start to see some of the adaptations of that 
partnership now come to life and it will evolve the further out we go. I think we've started with, you know, some of the broader headline-based the Australian and news.com.au, uh, but you're going to start to see more context and more stickiness and and uh, and a better use of the content specific to the environment moving ahead. Now, the arrival of digital in outdoor, I think, has has been one of the contributing factors for the the growth of the market value of the outdoor industry in terms of the the extra abilities with with screens um we're also beginning to see it happen behind the scenes now as well with uh programmatic um how far are you along on the programmatic trading journey and how far do you actually want to get on that journey so i think you're right to say it is a journey so the end destination uh, i think becomes more apparent the longer you're on the journey for us, you know, as I said, being such a broad business with so many environments, uh, there's a lot to contemplate. And you'll see from our media gr- a gradual increase in the amount of environments and the amount of inventory we make available programmatically. We think programmatic is a complement to what makes out of home uh, so great and 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 really does provide a new channel to a different type of customer in some ways and new ways to buy for existing as well. So we announced as part of the outfront that the office environments are coming online and uh, we've got a significant exposure there. We are the only operator in offices across Australia and that's a really valuable customer and programmatic is really lends itself well to that hyper-targeted um, you know, real-time approach that uh, that we can deliver there. I think you'll find across our broadcast formats, think uh, street furniture, retail, and large format digital, you'll see increasing supply uh, as we move ahead. And we're seeing that, uh, you know, there is certainly a, a, a percentage of the customer base that really values that ease of transaction that programmatic brings and, uh and obviously the yields are, are in many cases higher in programmatic because they value that ease of transaction. Um, but I think really whether it's automation uh, and programmatic is really the only way to buy in an automated sense now, but I believe down the track uh, the more our technology evolves, there will be other ways to automate perhaps directly into the own media um, assets and so I I don't necessarily think programmatic is the only way to a digital future trading situation I think it'll be a number of different ways that out-of-home companies uh, contemplate that connection and that uh, delivering that ease of trade which is really important. So in in theory do you think we will hit the point where someone can 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 go through the whole chain you know to the the effect that a brand might be able to create upload, publish a piece of creative without actually having to pick up the phone and speak to anybody at O at all? Yes, that will will be possible. I mean, there will always be controls around creative executions in out of home. That's obviously very important. So uh, to the extent that um, you can do that on pre-approved creative terms, yes, absolutely. And that can be done um, in programmatic now. Um, I think it'll become more frictionless the further out we go and no one company looks the same. It depends on the environments you're in, the assets that you have and the tech that you have behind the scenes. So in our journey uh, out of uh, 
at Omedia, we, you know, we, we've been a series of companies brought together over many, many years, and we're still sort of optimising that back end that allows us to be a really fluid uh, business that can integrate with all forms of buy side. And I think everyone is in on that journey to varying degrees and out of home, the pure players get there more quickly than the diverse companies. And, you know, I think we're on a really good path where we're really starting now to see what uh, the future CX looks like. And uh, we've got a new team in technology. They're doing a great job. And I think you'll find with every year we go forward now, the integration that we can provide gets that much more sophisticated. A quote you uh, used um, in introducing uh, the event last week it's our purpose as a company to make public spaces better. Now, I wonder, A, what does that mean in practice? And B, it comes in the context of one of your rivals, QMS, doing the City of Sydney rollout. And I wondered if that was at the very least in the back of your mind when you scripted that. No, it absolutely wasn't. And I think you could look back on the record at Omedia, our statement of purpose, making public spaces better, is probably about three years old. Uh, And so we also had a proposition to advertisers, which was making brands unmissable. And um, I've just put the word and in the middle because we have quite a diverse group of stakeholders, commercial partners, councils, governments, and so forth, and advertisers. So we say making public spaces better and brands unmissable is the impact that Omedia has. And a statement of purpose, the test of it is, well, if 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 you took us away, um, what would be the impact? And, you know, the, the story that Out of Home should very rightly tell more often is the story of the public good that we deliver, the civic value of Out of Home assets in many, many environments, keeping people dry, <laughs> keeping people informed, keeping people entertained in an awkward elevator ride where they really don't want to look at anyone around them. You know, this sort of notion of operating in the public space and the impact that we can have uh, to entertain, inform and capture citizens' attention and provide utility is a really powerful story. And so we're very proud of that civic role and making public spaces better. When we do that, then we create better assets. We create assets that are more connected to the citizens that move in and around them, and therefore they provide a better marketing channel for an advertiser. So it was absolutely nothing to do with any one uh, operator or one contract. It was absolutely uh, core and central to the beliefs that sit within Omedia that I've just built on as as I've joined. If you had been in charge of that QMS City of Sydney rollout, what would you have done differently? I wouldn't even comment on another out-of-home operator's contracts. Uh, it's, it's just not my place to do that. I don't have the details. What I would say in out-of-home's defence is that we are always working to a very defined, agreed set of works uh, when we're working with any commercial partner, be it a, you know, a retail centre or an airport or a local government area. Uh, you just don't put things in the ground that aren't really well planned. It doesn't happen in the industry. And so I think I would hate any one journey on any one contract to cloud 
the fact that out-of-home businesses do this every day, all the time, really successfully and bring a lot of civic value, as I've said. So I think that's the message I would like to convey uh, and also, you know, questions for any one contractor better levelled at, um, at those that are involved. Well, Owe is a member of the Outdoor Media Association. The CEO, Charmaine Moldrick, is leaving in a few months after, I think it must be 12 or 13 years. Uh, inevitably, that means a new direction for the association. And I guess it's one of the the voices of the, of the industry as a whole. Um, what would you like its priorities to be going forward? I think the OMA has a fantastic role to play in representing the whole of industry and in any sector when done well it's an incredibly powerful thing when you have all of the members of a sector moving in the same direction that's when you get momentum and it's five times more profitable to grow the out-of-home sector by one percent than it is to take share off a competitor and I'll keep saying that until people as long as I'm allowed, I'll keep saying that because it's so compelling. So Charmaine's done a terrific job. I think the record of the industry over the last 10 to 12 years is there uh, and she should be very proud of that. And her decision to go is just an opportunity for how we move forward uh, with greater collaboration, greater coordination uh, and all the things that are going to drive the sector growth, uh, you know, what is the value proposition of out-of-home in a digital future? And it's a compelling one. So how do we do that? How do we standardise, become easier to buy? How do we measure in ways that give our agencies and our advertisers new lenses on how you go? How do we creatively inspire? All the things that we do alone, we can do together and you know, I'm looking forward to who we put into the role. Uh, there's a lot of interest in the role because I think it's such a great sector with a lot to play for. I think people really do feel they can be part of this next phase of the journey. And really that's my, you know, my overriding hope for the for the OMA and, and the new leader of the OMA is that united we stand, uh, whether that's a voice to government whether that's about the way we standardise to verify or measure or the way that we inspire people to, you know, give out of home a greater share of wallet uh, in, in all its forms and formats. Um, I think all of those things are genuinely uh, exciting targets for, for the industry and for the leader of the RMA. Well, going back to O, which is a listed company, um, for you, how has the adjustment been from running a privately owned company in, in Nova for Lachlan Murdoch to one of the demands of being on the ASX and that extra level of reporting, for instance? Yeah, it's very different. And, you know, but but I think I've said before, I I really enjoyed the listed environment because it is very structured. And there's a natural cadence to it with uh, reporting and 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 governance and board meetings that uh, that I think keeps you on track and and uh, you tend to think in six monthly blocks and 
you know, beyond that, the longer term and what story you're telling. Um, and that's no different to running a private business, but, you know, there, there are a lot more ears <laughs> that are listening. And I like investors. I think they're a really interesting stakeholder group. They're very rational. Uh, they're very forensic. And it's always pushing you to be a, to be able to validate and, and, and stand by what you say. And, uh, you know, I, I actually think that that's a really good discipline for, for a leader. It's busy. There is a lot more work that needs to happen. And I have possibly a new respect for the CEOs in radio that were both working in listed environments while I wasn't. And, uh, but I'm really enjoying the change. And it was the change I was looking for. Can you talk in general terms about how you see the advertising economy in 2023? Yes, of course. So I think there's a, there's a word for that or, or a version of that when you're in out of home and it's a, it's a more optimistic one. And, you know, I think our Q3 results are, as a sector up nearly 50% year on year show that there is momentum with the sector. I think everyone is cautious about the macroeconomic environment, uh, power prices, power bills and consumer confidence all play into uh, the view of next year. But, uh, and I know I'm not the only CEO to say this, there has been a disconnect all year between the, the cadence and the tone of advertiser conversations and the macroeconomic environments. Now, being a listed environment, you know, those that have their eye on our, uh, our business and our stock are all factoring in any headwinds or tailwinds into their assessment of what happens and, you know, um, therefore stocks are all valued accordingly. And I do note that the media industry this year has been given a tough uh, report card uh, by investors. But really our job is just to advocate for out of home and that's what we're doing. And I think that Q3 result, which was uh, by comparison to other forms of established media, a very strong growth story year on year, I think you can you can sort of read into that that uh, out of home is probably better placed uh, from a growth outlook than some other forms of media. Well, uh, one of the other things about ASX, well, lots of companies is there's a CEO and then there's a board with a, a chairperson, and that relationship between CEO and chair is a key one. Um, how does your relationship with Tony Four, who is the chair, work, and how does that compare to how you worked with? Lachlan Murdoch as proprietor at Nova? Well, no um, no one sort of chair or uh, owner is the same, but my approach is always the same, which is understand what they see for the business and, uh, you know, what the role that they play and, uh, and align your plan and your views with them and have great communication. So I think whether it's working for a private owner or now a chairman and a board, on behalf of shareholders, I think they're the principles I've always upheld and I've had great working relationships with all my bosses over the years uh, and, you know, this role this role's no, no different. And um, Tony obviously had a long connection with Junkie. Um, was it difficult to persuade him of the merits of selling Junkie? So it's really you're working for the shareholders and it's about shareholder value. And what you do realise in any uh, 
CEO role in media that ultimately you want to do more than resources will allow you to. There's a lot to dream of and everything looks like a great idea. So these decisions are really about resource allocation and we had with Junkie a content business that needed to do things, you know, in the in the future space, be it audio or, you know, more forms of content, partnerships and so forth. And looking at the resources that own media needs to do to grow moving forward, it just became less of a priority for us. And therefore, it was in the shareholders' interest that the digital publishing side of that business was divested. But we kept a lot of the creative talent. So I think that, you know, ultimately, the staff that the ex-junkie staff that still work here are now part of Poly. And we've we've used that talent for the purpose that's really going to drive growth for the sector and for our company. And so those conversations uh, were well supported by the board because ultimately it's about shareholder returns for the money that you have. And I think, you know, Polly is a, a really powerful future strategy um, and a better use of the resource. There's a memorable industry photo which was taken, I think, in Canberra back in 2017 at the time the media ownership laws were under review and it featured all of the media CEOs. And what was really striking just as an image was that you were the only woman in this sea of blokes. Um, Now, that since hasn't really changed much in terms of sort of that ratio, certainly at senior levels of media. Um, Why do you think that is? So I get asked that question a lot and I do think that the pace of change for female CEOs in media is too slow and I think that, you know, media industry is a number of individual companies and so it's pretty hard to solve for the issue with one issue because the issues probably sit within the individual companies themselves. Uh, I think having an being attuned to bias in all its forms in the workplace is incredibly important and my approach is to do what you can from where you sit and make sure your own house is in order with all these things and uh, in terms of you know your strategies around uh, equality and diversity and inclusion and all those sorts of things are really the way that you do that uh, and to look at succession planning and all levels of the organisation and ensuring there's gender balance there um, and, you know, taking a constructive and proactive approach to learning and development uh, for your female staff. Um, all of those things are the ways you solve for it. Uh, and I think we could only say that if that were being done in every single company within the media sector uh, to best practice levels, the numbers might look a bit different Having said that, you do know that uh, there is genuinely a commitment within the industry to promote women uh, and to create great role models and things like awards and scholarships and training programs. There's any number of businesses and organisations that have developed up around the ecosystem and we should support them and look to our own backyards and do the best that we can do when and in aggregate we should be able to move that dial in media final question from me if you could change something about the out-of-home sector what would it be I think I'd like to see perhaps a loosening of the restrictions we sometimes see on what can 
be uh, used, what public space can be used for out of home. To my earlier point that I believe out of home when imagined well can really provide public utility to the public space. And as cities become smarter and digital technology advances, I believe we should be seen as worthwhile partners in the public space, be it with local governments, state governments, federal governments, or any form of commercial enterprise. We have expertise, we have vision, and we'd love to be invited into an imagination of the future public space with those that design it. Uh, and I think in doing that, we should be able to continue to provide not only economic incentive to governments and councils and commercial businesses, but genuine innovation in what out of home can be. And that's a future I'd like to see. And I think the onus is on us to recommend and advocate for ourselves beyond the partners that we currently have and deeper into some of the governments and corporates that we serve currently. Kathy, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tim. Great to see you. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio. Turn up your brand fame with Australia's number one podcast network, Listener. From Hamish and Andy, Australia's number one comedy podcast, to the very latest daily news at 7am, Listener has highly engaged environments where you can tell potential customers all about your brand. Listener reaches over 6.6 million monthly users and is growing every month. To find out more about advertising on Listener, visit sca.com.au forward slash listener.